0: You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amax. Welcome to the Varsity Club podcast. Uh, it is not snowing where we are. Brandon Vogel is in Tennessee. I am in Oklahoma. It is decent weather where we are, but we're going to talk about Nebraska because obviously it is like snowing and negative 85 degrees there and spring football starts in a week and a half so hooray brandon how are you
1: i'm doing well i you know this is the uh we love nebraska uh the the winter weather is tough to deal with so if you can do it this is the way to do it you know within the confines of this podcast it will be a nebraska podcast but like you said we uh we're not dealing with quite the snow that everyone else is. Greg is, is headed to a tropical island soon. Yeah. So uh, shout out Greg. Yeah. They're
0: gonna have to when the football team starts practicing, they're gonna have to like stay inside the Hawks Championship Center because they're gonna be like enclosed inside that facility by snow for <laughs> spring practice. Yeah. Spring practice.
1: They're not even going to have the option of uh, of making viral snow angels this time no. because it's, the snow is just going to be too piled too high <laughs> to uh, to even open the doors.
0: That might have been the greatest thing that happened. Like in, in Frost's first year, was that that was it a video or was it a picture? It was a video, and he was in the um, background shirtless, and you had to like <laughs> find him. It was like where's Waldo? That was amazing. That was probably one of the highlights of last year.
1: It it was it was pretty good. That must have been close to Michigan State week. I don't remember. I don't remember when Nebraska first got snow in the fall. But that sounds about right. that was pretty good. Yeah, that was great.
0: Um, You were in Alabama recently for, excuse me, the the AAF Alliance of American Football. You caught the is it Birmingham Iron and Salt Lake Stallions. That's correct. I Get the names right. You went and saw them. The Stallions have a bunch of Husker guys. Uh, How was that experience?
1: Oh, it, it reminded me a lot of when I covered uh, the first um, UFL game of the Omaha Nighthawks in Omaha, in that you know there's 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 quite a bit of excitement. You, you're rooting for the league. You hope it does well. Um, the football's pretty good, though you, you certainly notice a, a difference. And it's kind of chaos everywhere else around that. You know, <laughs> these, this was these franchise's second game. Um, you know, I, I talked to I talked to Demorne. Pearson L a little bit after the game Uh, he didn't have a ton of time but I didn't know this Um, I, I knew they'd held their sort of like all their scrimmages in in San Antonio but basically that's been like home base for the entire league so so these Nebraska guys on Salt Lake haven't even been to Salt Lake yet they've been practicing in in San Antonio I think they played at Arizona in week one and then at Birmingham in week two. So this week, I think they have a home game. It's the first time those guys are the Salt Lake Stallions are going to have been in Salt Lake. Um, Dennis Erickson, their coach, kind of made a joke about it post game, saying, "Oh, is that where our team's from?" <laughs> um, so, so these are the sort of things you you deal with um, uh, with a league like that. And you know, I, I wrote about it. I, I hope it does well. Like there are so few chances to continue playing your football career that there's. There's a lot of really good players, you know, who, who may not quite be NFL caliber or are trying to get there, and they just don't have anywhere to go. Um, so so that was kind of my general overview. That said, some of the stories we've seen this week um, also alluded to something I mentioned there, which is like it's just crazy expensive to put on a football game, and it's hard to do, and it requires an army of people and a boatload of money. Yeah, they almost uh, went
0: bankrupt after week two.
1: Yep. Which, you know <laughs> – from afar, you're kind of like, how could that happen? Um, but, but who knows? I mean, it's just there's, there's so much. I mean, when you think of getting everyone there, all the equipment there, I mean, it's, it's crazy. Uh, it's, a, it's a bold idea. We've, we've seen a lot of leagues come and try and fill this niche and, and go away relatively quickly. And they always seem to be plagued by, by things like this along the way. And sometimes you find enough to to kind of get you to the next stop on the on the road until eventually you don't. So so hopefully the people seem to like the league. I think the the timing of it is great, um, but you still got to fight through a bunch of stuff that plenty of leagues before them have had to fight through.
0: Interesting. I, one of the the most I'm going to say interesting again, but one of the most interesting things to me about this whole thing is like I, I'm curious what the what the vibe around teams or like within teams because. Like when you look at the NFL, a lot of it, like there's a bunch of egos, there's a bunch of guys like these are the best of the best and they know that they're the best of the best um, and they're coming to work, getting a paycheck. This is their job. In college, it's a lot of, um, there's a lot more pageantry to it. There's a lot, there, there are guys that know that they're not going to go play in the NFL and it's more about the team and more about winning um, for the team and for whatever program they're a part of. I wonder if there's like a mix of that. In this league or if it's like I just I wonder what the vibe is and I don't know if you can answer that question after a game but that I think that's one of the most that's one of the things that I'm the most curious about with this league
1: yeah the sense that I got is really one of relief among most of the players so so you look at somebody like Kitty Bell um you know good college football player Good enough to kind of continually be on the on the call list for for practice squads, kind of right on the brink of, you know, making a team and, and, and getting to play. And the toughest thing, I think, for those guys, based on the little bit I got to talk to them, was it's, it's just kind of not knowing. So if you want to continue on that path, you want you know, you're close and you want to be available. Well, you've got to stay in world class shape on your own at home or wherever you're living and you do that and you never know if the call's going to come. What a league like this does is it at least gives those guys some games to play. They at least know. And it knew for a while, like, okay, well we're playing football in the spring and that, you know, you can strip out that. Yeah. You're not playing in front of 90,000 now. And you know, you're not making NFL money, but at least you know that, okay, we've got games and, and here's an opportunity and it's not just me alone trying to find the continual motivation, continually battling do with, do I keep going? How long am I in this for? Is it ever going to happen? This doesn't say, yeah, it's going to happen, but at least you know you've, you've got a game to play. And it's, it's, it's fun for those guys still to play football.
0: Hmm. Cool. Let's switch gears and talk about football or <laughs> talk about Oscar football. Um, I do, before we get to that, though, I, I do want to, Like I said, we weren't gonna. I just have one comment that I want to make on basketball because we're not gonna get real in depth in basketball. Um, People don't care anymore, and that's kind of evident within the fan base. There's a little bit of, I don't want to say apathy, but it just seems like people don't care anymore. Um, But watching the Penn State game, I thought for the first time really over, and I didn't. I didn't really think this during the the seven game losing streak or the nine out, eight out of ten, or whatever the crazy number was. I thought this was the beginning of the end. And I thought that because <clears throat> it also looked like the players did not care. Um, and like when you reach that point, like they still have four games left and they still have four games left against all ranked teams and two of them are on the road. Like when you reach that point where they just don't, they look like they don't care anymore. It's just, that, that's when a coach gets fired. Um, so that was sad to see. Um, I you know, I feel like if people like read my stuff or follow how I've talked about the team over the last couple of weeks, I think I'd hate the team, and I really don't. I like the collective talent on the team, and I wanted them to be better. I thought they could be better, but it's just it's been a sad ending to this season. Um, I think for all parties involved. So that's my yeah tidbit.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it post cope as as they went through those losses without Cope, you know you could kind of it kind of felt like. Well, maybe they just can't do any better. And then you saw a couple of wins. Now, granted, they weren't, you know, they were games that Nebraska could win, even in that state. And then for to have this to happen felt like a whole level beyond, you know, I was telling you before we started recording, I wasn't able to watch the first half. I had a thing. Um, and I got into my car to go home and watch the second half and flipped on the radio broadcast, and my immediate response was, oh, my God, something horrible has happened. Yeah. Um, because you could just tell immediately from the tone of the broadcast that not only was Nebraska not in this game, but they were. there was little hope of them getting back in the game, and, and that's pretty tough to swallow.
0: Well, they weren't in it from, from the, the jump. I mean, they, they led a team. It, Penn State is like 319th in the country. Out of like 350 Division One basketball programs in three-point shooting percentage, and they hit 11 of 22 shots. You just can't, like that's <laughs> like Tim said on the radio show. Like he walked into the locker room after the game and told the team, "I need your guys' help because I have no idea what just happened." And like that's that is not good. <laughs> that's not good. Yeah. Um, no. So we can we can leave it there. Uh, basketball has four games left. We'll have coverage on all four games. Which people probably won't read. Um, so let's talk about spring football. And you had an idea that you wanted to do that, that you kind of wanted to structure this talk around um, five important position battles to monitor during the spring. And there are like there are this team has a lot of positions that are kind of up in the air or um, spots on the depth chart that are crucial that are that have question marks around them. And I think that's going to be one of the most interesting. Um, storylines throughout spring is they have holes who who's going to fill them who's going to fill in roles that were held by seniors last year um, who's going to fill Luke Gifford's spot who's going to fill Stanley Morgan's role so we've got five we've each got five position battles um, we've ranked them correct you ranked yours yes okay let's start at the number five spot and we'll we'll work our way down so you can go first with your fifth most important position battle. And then we'll just kind of see where that goes.
1: Okay. Um, You know, as I was pulling stuff together for this, I was, I was, it kind of struck me. I was like, you know, if you just went on kind of what Nebraska has coming back, leading rusher, gone leading receiver, gone um, some holes on the offensive line, most of your top tacklers gone, like just based on that, if Nebraska had gone, say eight and four last year or seven and five, I think people would kind of predict them to be about the same, you know. So <laughs> this whole offseason becomes a matter of can you trump that with sort of frost track record plus a returning quarterback. And, you know, we can talk about that more as we get into it. But it's just it's interesting when you sit down, you kind of realize how much really is missing here. Mm-hmm. Um, so my number five position battle going from Least most important to most important, I guess, for lack of a better term, is is center. Um, mostly because I don't I don't have an idea of who's going to take that job. I, I think in a perfect world they'd love if Cam Jurgens was was ready to go enough by by the fall for him to take it. Um, but you know, right now it kind of looks like maybe walk-on Hunter Miller is, is the leader there. Um, you've also got Will Farniak, who they looked at a little bit in the fall there, and, and could move over. And, and then you've got the mystery man, still presumably coming in the summer, in, in Joshua Wagner, um, a transfer from from Iowa Western. But there's there's a lot there. That's kind of the quarterback of your offense, offensive line. Um, I think they can structure some things around that based on. How far along they are, but that's a that's a big piece for to be missing up front for for me, uh, especially when you look at some of the other things that we'll probably get to as we we move through the list. So that's my number five. What's yours, Derek?
0: So if 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 you name one of the position battles that I have ranked higher, should I talk about that now or should we wait until we get there?
1: Um, let's go ahead and just uh, wait until we get there. So okay. let's go straight to your number five.
0: Okay, my number five is running back. And, and not starting running back, I'm very curious who gets the number two job. And my thought process on that is, I mean, I think everybody assumes that Maurice Washington, it, legal case notwithstanding, would be the number one running back. And we'll go into the season as the, the number one running back and the guy who replaces Devino Zigbo, leads the team in carries. And if he's with the team... That'll happen. I think that'll happen. But th- I think that Nebraska is in a very precarious situation because that legal case that is that I mean he's in legal limbo and that takes it, 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 Nebraska's not in control of that. They, they don't have control over the situation. It's not like it's not like Maurice is dealing with an injury. He doesn't have a hamstring or an ankle thing where there's like a set timetable for when he's going to be back and when they can have him, and what kind of check marks he has to clear before they can do X, Y, and Z. Like They don't really have that. And I don't know if if this legal stuff is not resolved by the time the fall rolls around. I don't think you can play him with the public knowing about it. And so if that's the case, they need to have a clear number two guy that they are confident with, and that they feel like can go out there and and produce if they need him to, because I don't I don't think you want Wondell Robinson to be <clears throat> that guy. Like I think he his his position is going to be more about the duckar spot, and I think he's gonna he's gonna play more at wide receiver than he will at running back, and I think that's the plan with him. I don't they don't need him to be Wando or uh, Rondell Moore. They don't want him to be Rondell Moore, but he can't even come close to doing that. If he's in the backfield for ninety percent of his snaps, and if Maurice Washington isn't in the picture, or they need that number two guy, like I don't think they want Wandale to be that guy. So uh, in that case, who becomes the number two guy? Like, is it is it Dedrick Mills? Is it Ramire Johnson? Is it can I mean can Jalen Bradley get off the milk carton? Is there is there still something there with Wyatt Mazur Who I mean I, I'm 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 driving the bus for Wyatt Mizzou the hype train. I just I I feel like he should get maybe a a better look or at least a couple looks to maybe win a running back job as opposed to just being out and being kind of that flex, that duck R spot. Um, So I think that number two spot is going to be super important in the spring. I want to see because they went the Juco route last year with Greg Bell and they went away from it three games into the season. So I'm curious if – what and obviously different, different players, but what do you get from Dedrick Mills? What do you get from Ramir Johnson? Can some of the other guys that really have been uh, nothing for you so far, can, can one of those other guys step up? Or what does that position look like in the spring? Is it Maurice Washington a Bust, or do you have a couple of other guys that you feel confident about?
1: Yeah, this this works well because running back is my number four, so okay. we'll uh, slide right into that um, and uh, and go that way. I, you know, it's you look at what Nebraska is going to be at this position in the spring. Um, you've got Maurice Washington with everything else that's that's out there. Um, you know, I'm who knows. It's not even sensible to like speculate on will he play the spring game or any of that. You know whatever. But I agree. He's your de facto leader, um, based on just the amount of carries he had last year and, and who comes back and who doesn't, mm-hmm. um, you got Jalen Bradley who was Mel Carton last year. You know, uh, there's, there's some hurdles to clear there. I think I'm with you. I, I really think that this spring is, is a huge kind of chance to move up for, for Wyatt Missouri. Um, simply because somebody's going to have to uh to take those snaps back there. Um and and he seems like a guy that they trust based on the amount of time he got on the field. Then you're you are looking at I think having to use Wandale back there more than they probably would like to in an ideal scenario. The same might be true of Miles Jones. Um you know, they they brought those guys in to do a specific thing and yes, part of that specific thing was to occasionally line up in the backfield, but they, they weren't traditional running backs and to have to use them that way, maybe it'll be fine. Uh, but it, it's not how it was designed. I don't think. And the, the three incoming guys in this class who, who are all pretty enticing in their own ways, none of them are here yet. So <laughs> spring's going to be going to be particularly messy at, at that spot. Um, it'll get a little bit better in the summer. And, you know, we saw, Greg Bell was top of the depth chart to, to, to start uh, the season and and Maurice Washington was good enough to play. And he got there way later than, than these other guys will, uh, or at least basically two months later. So I think there's a chance Nebraska is just going to be pretty green. It's going to be, it's going to be pretty up in the air. And I think when we get to the end of the 2019 season, we're going to have to measure that position basically as a group, because I just don't know if you're going to get to find enough roles with, with all of the question marks that they have now to be there, to be like, well, you know, Dedrick Mills led them with 800 yards rushing. He may do that, but kind of collectively, because they're going they're just going to have to call on a lot of guys. Um, and, and that creates a, a lot of uncertainty at that spot. So
0: Right. I completely forgot about Miles Jones. And he was on my top five most interesting freshmen of the spring list. Yeah.
1: So, well, well, I mean, I, I tend to think of him as as a receiver first, uh, yeah, um, and sort of the same with with Wandale. You know, yeah, they could do it; they, they might have to do it. Um, but again, like, I don't think that was the the perfect plan uh, for for what they have in vision for those guys. But they could be right. pretty good there. So. Right.
0: And Fuji- and like oh, go ahead. and like in a sorry to cut you off, but I mean, I mean, in a perfect world. No, nothing outside of football is wrong with anybody on the team. Like Divino Zigbo was the leading guy last year, and Maurice Washington still got seventy seven carries. So if Washington just slides right into Divino Zigbo's role, who becomes the guy that gets seventy seven carries? that's that's significant. Washington played a significant role within the offense in his freshman season. Well, maybe not significant, but he was a part of it. And there were times where they called on him to to do some things and, and make some plays for him. Who is that guy this season?
1: So, yeah, I mean, you had guys who could you know when you incorporate Adrian Martinez into the run game, who could really hurt you if you put all your tension on on Martinez, and that and that made the offense better collectively. Um, with with Washington's status sort of uncertain. You can't say that about any of the other guys right now to the degree that you even could have with, with Divine before he kind of broke through. So that's that's the challenge for for Nebraska.
0: Here's a question I have for you, and it's kind of a philosophical question. So Nebraska, um, under, under Frost in year one, they were a little bit more run-heavy than I thought that they were going to be just based on Frost's track record over the previous couple seasons. Um, th- th- and it looks like that's going to be a thing that they do. Adrian Martinez carried it 140 times. As we move forward in his career, do you think that he's a guy that they want carrying the ball? I mean, he averaged, that's 10 10 carries a game. Do do you think they want him to be that? Because if he keeps getting better and he keeps improving, eventually he's going to be one of those guys, and I think we all think this, he's going to be one of those guys that is up for quarterback awards at the end of the season or is one of the top quarterbacks in the country. Do you want... Do you want him carrying it and putting himself at risk that many times a game as he gets older and as he gets better and as he gets more important to your team? He ha- I, He's big and he's bigger in person than you even think he is. And, and he's bigger than Marcus Mariota and they didn't want Marcus Mariota to carry it a bunch. But I just don't know. I don't know how much they want him to carry it moving forward. If this is If 10 carries a game is fine and they're fine with it. I mean, Fine, it's only ten carries a game, but do you think that's too much as we move move forward?
1: I I think um, it, you want that number to be as low as it can be without you know really hurting the offense, which which is sort of an obvious point. But as you were as you mentioned it, my you know my mind kind of immediately went to Mariota at, at Oregon um, as a freshman. He was at eight, basically eight carries a game, dropped down to start away restart. Mariota was an eight as a freshman, dropped down to seven as a sophomore. And then his Heisman year, he was back up to nine. So, so I think having a quarterback who can do that kind of allows you to cover up a little bit of your inexperience elsewhere if you need him to, but if you've, you've got great running backs and you, you feel good about wide receiver, uh, then yeah, you you kind of can take a little bit of the load off of him and let him back there, let him be back there and just find the open guy. Um, I, I think that's their idealized form, but as we'll probably get to later on these on our lists, uh, I don't know if they they have those pieces in place at the other skill positions yet.
0: Right. Well, the number four for me is wide receiver, yeah. um, and I think like just with running back, I think the number two spot is is going to be huge because. Over the last two years, it's been, in, in the passing game, it's been, is Stanley Morgan open? Cool, throw him the ball. If he's not open, throw the ball to JD. And then if both of those guys are just completely out of question, you go to a running back on a dump down or you find a tight end. The, their production, their wide receiver production outside of um, JD and outside of Stan over the last two years, it's something like those those two guys are getting like – 70 percent of targets and have like 70 to 80 percent of the receiving yardage amongst the wide receivers on the team so you've taken stanley away jd i i have no issues with jd no doubt he's going to be really really good in a in a featured role but he's not stanley he's not just because he's changing from number two to the number one designation or 1B to 1A or however you thought that it was phrased last year he's still not going to he he's not going to be Stanley he's still JD and he's still a guy that works underneath and he's still a guy that that you move around and put him in the slot and try to create mismatches and he's a guy that is more speed than power at this point Stanley was a guy you know I think the best way to describe his his what they wanted from him as the wide receiver was I I think back to the Ohio state game and it might've been the first play offensively for Nebraska, but it was for sure on the first drive and Adrian was facing pressure and they were deep in, in their side of the field and he just threw it up to Stan and Stan went up and caught it through traffic and came down and it was like a 30 yard completion. They, who, who is that guy Next season, because you need that as an offense to function, and you need that as an offense to be able to allow J.D. Spielman to do what he does best. You have to have that kind of deep, over-the-top receiving threat to allow J.D. to work underneath and do all his damage to, to zones and whatever he does. And I, I wonder, is that Javon McQuitty? I think this is this is the year for McQuitty for him to prove either a he's going to be a reliable. Uh, part piece of this offense moving forward, or I mean, it looks like a reach for them. so what is what does his spring look like? Because from a physical profile, he's everybody thought he was going to be the next Stanley Morgan. He was going to be the guy that was going to be able to replace that role. So what does his spring look like? I don't know that you can ask a guy like Mike Williams or Jerron Woodyard to do that. Both guys are seniors in the first place, so it's not it's not like it's gonna be a long term solution for you. Uh, but both of those guys are more J.D. than they are Stan. And maybe it's somebody like Jamie Nance coming in um, and earning that because he's a he's a big-bodied receiver who's fast, but he's got to put on weight and he's not mm-hmm. he's not built like Stan is. So that number two option, like I know they had issues with the number three spot last year and they kind of rotated guys, but I think now you've really got to figure out who is the clear-cut go-to number two before you even get to okay, who's the third guy that we put on the field? Because Wandale's going to be on the field. Jack Stoll's going to be on the field. J.D.'s going to be on the field. Who is who is the the outside deep threat wide receiver that you're just going to be able to send up, th- throw the ball up to, and see if he comes down with it?
1: Yeah, there, there's so much that's interesting with the wide receiver position. Would you care to guess, Derek, how many returning wide receivers for Nebraska, minus J.D. Spielman, have more had more than one catch a year ago.
0: Um. Did did Andre Hunt have a catch?
1: Um. Let me. If he did, it was one catch. So more than one catch. That's what we're going for here.
0: I think. Tajon would have had multiple. Cade he's Warner, not returning. He's not returning. Cade Warner. And Mike Williams would be the only two.
1: Yep, that's it. There's two. Yeah. Um, Miles Jones had one for 21 yards. Woodyard had one, um, and Andre Hunt did not. So, okay, yeah, that's <laughs> so that's a lot. I mean, you and you look at it. So of Nebraska's returning guys, who's their best returning receiver minus minus JD? Uh, I guess you go with Mike Williams probably. Um, you know, I think it might
0: be Cade Warner.
1: It, it could be, um, you know, and I think he's a, a big piece to this. Um, y- you mentioned Jamie Nance, huge spring for him. And with, with McKid- McQuitty, I'm guessing that by the end of spring football, we will know what's, uh, what's yes. coming for him. Because if yeah. he, if, if he starts to, to make the jump and, and looks like one of their top three, then good news for Nebraska. If he doesn't, I think he probably goes elsewhere.
0: Yeah. I mean, if, if he makes that jump and he becomes a reliable guy that that is going to play majority of your downs in any given game, like that was what they were hoping for. Like that was what they needed out of him. And if that's not the case, like there are guys, there are guys coming in that are going to take a spot pretty quickly. So I think you're right. Who's your number three?
1: Yeah. Uh, so we'll have more on receivers coming up, but not next. Uh, my number three is is outside linebacker um, specifically. I think the the biggest question for Nebraska is is how do they how do they replace what Luke Luke Gifford brought, and specifically he he led the team in tackles for loss and sacks, and, and those are vitally important in this defense. They're they're vitally important to any defense. They're they're big pieces of stopping drives. And, and you've got to have those. Those are a big thing to look at when you look at what teams bring back, you know, beyond just returning starters. Uh, and to lose your top guy in both, that's a pretty big hole. So, you know, we, we talked about this over the course of, of the late signing period, too, because it was it was an area where Nebraska, you know, went after some guys and missed. So now you're kind of left to focus on on what they actually have. Um, Caleb, Caleb Tanner kind of needs to make the jump. And so does tyron ferguson and and I look at those two as probably your best bets depending on on what they do with doman and i and I think this sort of edge rusher be organizer of the mid level level defense piece of it is so big that I think doman sticks there um you know you could think about him at safety, but really yeah i I think he probably does um as we, as we get into to what Nebraska brings back uh, on the back end of the defense, I'd be surprised if he doesn't start out as, as kind of their outside linebacker guy um, and they, they see what he can do. Um,
0: but. See, I'm in, a, I'm in a spot where I feel like I would probably use Sharpie on my depth chart or my projected depth chart with Caleb Tanner and Tyron Ferguson, an outside linebacker. Okay. at this point. Like I feel confident enough that cuz I think that's just I think they've had a plan with Tanner and this has been the plan all along. Yeah. And I think Tyron Ferguson, like Ty when Ty when, when Ty was healthy last year, he was really good. He was he was a bright spot and a surprise for them. And I think it's just about and I guess that's the question. It's about health with him. Can he can he be healthy through spring? Can he stay healthy through fall? So, that's a question. My my number 3 is inside linebacker because i don't like they like you've got Mo Berry and obviously Mo i think was if not the best he was one of the best players on the defense last year but you're losing Dedrick Young and however people feel about Dedrick Young he played for a long time at Nebraska he started for a long time at Nebraska started a bunch of games played in a bunch of big moments and he was still top 6 in tackles last year like he was involved a ton and you are now losing him and you're gonna to have to replace that part of your your inside. I don't think it's gonna be as critical because of like I have one more defensive spot ahead of this, so I don't think it's the most important position. But you've got you've got to find somebody there that can fill a role because Nebraska was I think 11th last year in the Big Ten um, in average run yards per carry against and inside linebacker plays. I mean Dedrick Young and Mo Berry were both involved in the run game a ton because. They were, I mean, you're in run fits and you're having to, and Mo was having to hit guys at the second level a ton. And what is, like, they need, I don't, I I wonder if what they want from Nick Henrich is for him to play right away. I don't think they do. I don't think you want to bring a freshman in and have him start at inside linebacker in the Big Ten right away. And I really like Henrich. I know some of the other people in the market, like, Guys like Mike Schaefer really love Jackson Hanna I think he's an underrated guy. I think he just like replaced the name. Like I don't think they want him to start as a freshman right away and play significant sure. snaps right away either, regardless of how good he can be. And I think Henrich and both Hanna can be pretty good, but I don't think in a perfect world I don't think they want them playing um, really like high level snaps right from the word jump. So who who is that guy? Is it Colin Miller? And I mean maybe it's him, uh, but he's a converted outside linebacker. He's still maybe learning the position. Um, if I was having to learn how to play inside linebacker, Barrett Root is on a short list of guys I'd want to learn it from. Yeah. But there is a question up there. There's a there's a question mark there.
1: Yeah, it seems like Miller has kind of uh, nosed ahead in, in in that race of, you know, it probably would have been Will Honus if, minus the injury. Um, but that's interesting. I mean, I think those are, those are your two best bets because, like you said, kind of – You've got to be really, really good as a true freshman to go in and sort of stick your nose in there for nine weeks a year against against Big Ten competition. Like, yeah, it is a inside linebacker type of league um, and, and you've got to be good there. You know, I, Dedrick Young had had one of the more sort of interesting careers of, of a Nebraska player in recent memory. You know, he, he played a ton. People never really liked that, but no one, no one was coming along. It was better. And I mean, this is the case for a lot of teams, but those are top two tacklers a year ago. Like you, you want to funnel teams through the middle and, and you've got to have guys there who can, who can make those stops. And you're right. We, we don't know with Nebraska uh, who, who that, who that guy's going to be aside for uh, from Mo Berry and you're going to need more than two. You're probably going to need more than three. So if you get going down the list, there's there's quite a bit up in the air for, for Nebraska on that side too. So and stopping the runs huge and that, you know you do that collectively as a defense, but in terms of the guys who actually end up tallying the stats for those stops, it's the guys on the inside. They're they're pretty vital. Who's your number two? My number two is wide receiver, so we don't need to rehash a bunch of, of what we already did. I just had one maybe maybe two points to, to make here. The key one being, I think what happens at wide receiver Nebraska finding reliable options at number two and number three behind Spielman, maybe what caps sort of puts a ceiling on, on what Adrian Martinez could do this year as a passer. Um, last year was great. You had two really good wide receivers that he clearly trusted, you know, uh, terms of Jack Stoll that trust seemed to grow a little bit towards the end of the season so I think you you have to at least factor him into this discussion as well even though he doesn't play wide receiver but if Nebraska is not dynamic enough at wide receiver outside of Spielman we may have to temper expectations a little bit I think for for what this offense can be and I'm not saying they won't be dynamic enough we just don't know yet Um, the secondary tiny point um, pun not intended but I guess it worked this wide receiver group has the potential to be pretty small. Uh, when you look at, you look at Spielman, of course, and then two of the guys that I think factor into the discussion here, Miles Jones and, and Wondell Robinson are, are also not, you know, the, the big outside receivers that you traditionally think of in, in that category, you've got Mike Williams, um, Jamie Nance, I think's listed at like six, one or six, two, um, so you've got a couple of options, but again, you know, the, the guys that people are seem to be most excited about are not big-bodied wide receivers. And maybe in this offense, you don't need it. But what I do know is sort of that continuity in the passing game. You know, Bill Connolly's research shows it's pro- it's the most important thing in terms of returning offense. And, and Nebraska doesn't have a ton of it
0: because there are going to be defenses this season, probably early and often where the game plan is, okay, we're gonna cover JD Spielman and beat yep. us with somebody else.
1: Yep. And, you know <laughs> JD JD and Adrian are both good. They're they're very good together, but if teams know that we're gonna make we're gonna make you do it with somebody else. We're gonna make you throw the ball to Kate Warner and Mike Williams and Andre Hunt and Jeron Woodyard and whoever comes along from the freshman class, like those guys have to prove that well, you can't do that as a defense, and mm-hmm. there's just there's there's not a ton of experience there.
0: Yep. My number two, uh, the most important, I think, on the defense is safety. So Nebraska went with four safeties in the in the rotation last year. Um, Fisher, Travis Fisher, wasn't rotating at his corner, but he was at safety. They played four guys, um, significant steps. It was Trey Neal and Aaron Williams and Antonio Reed were the three guys that that had the most trust that played the most that produced the most like those guys all three of those guys were in the team's top six tacklers at the safety spot all three of those guys were seniors and they've all gone and trey was trey was not the flashy guy trey was the i'm not going to make mental mistakes i'm not going to have busts i'm not going to screw up the back end of the defense because he was he just had played in it and he knew um what to do and he knew what was expected and the coaching staff didn't have to worry about him. And that is really, really important. It's not quantifiable, but that's very important to have on a defense. Um, Aaron Williams, sort of the same thing. He had the one game where he got torched by uh, Northwestern's Flynn Nagel, which, sidebar, it feels like any time you get torched by a slot receiver, it is a small white guy. <laughs> so the Wes Walker effect is is uh, alive and well. Um, but take the Northwestern game out. He had a really good season. And then Antonio Reed. Like that Michigan State game, he was the most impactful player on the field. And he had a good season as well. He had a really good season. So I think I think Deontay Williams is going to be really, really good. Um, I get kind of the same vibe from him that I got from Mo heading into last season. I just think he, he was really good in limited action last year. And he was kind of one of those guys where it was like, okay, we need to give some rest to Trey or to Aaron or to Antonio. Okay, Deontay, go in for a couple snaps and make some plays. And he would go in and he would make some plays. So I I feel like I feel pretty confident that he's gonna take that number one spot. So that leaves that leaves two safety. If they want to play the same way they played last year, that leaves two safeties that are gonna play significant snaps, and a fourth guy that's a utility guy. So who like they they lost a lot and I like the talent that's back there, but those are that's three spots that are significant parts of your defense that need answers because I thought last year the strength of the defense was back to front. Like I thought their most talented pieces were in, were at the safety spot and then at the linebacker. And then the defensive line I thought was the weakest of the the three levels. And I don't know if that's the way that Chenander wants to play. I don't know if that's like his, his MO, but if it is, they, I mean, they've got questions. So who who are the three guys? I really like Cam Jones. Um, I think he's kind of being – he's kind of flying under the radar. Um, yeah. So you've got Markel Desmuke there. You've got Cam Jones. You've got C.J. Smith, who looked like he was playing himself into a role um, before an injury, but you're not really going to have him in spring. I think this is really this is a really important spring for Markel Desmuke. He kind of got buried last year. Um, so what are you going to get from him? I do wonder if JoJo – stays at outside linebacker or moves back to safety because they do have that need. I'm curious about that.
1: Yeah. Safety is my number one um, for, for many of the same reasons that you just mentioned. Um, You've it's, it's a really difficult spot to play in that those guys are asked to fit in the run game also be a big part of the pass defense. And then also in a lot of cases, especially with, with, you know, in year one with Trey, they got to get everybody where they're supposed to be. Um, so there's, there's a lot going on there. You need athletic guys who can do a bunch of different things. You you need intelligent players back there who can handle the other part of it. And it's, it's, it's a really intriguing group to talk about. You've mentioned most of the names at this point, Cam Jones was one of my favorite players in that, that first frost class. So it'll be exciting to see him. I also think Deontay Williams is poised for a pretty big 2019, you know, Dismuke is kind of the, the wild card here. Um, You've got C.J. Smith potentially in there, but then also two of the guys in this class—they won't be here for the spring. But two of my favorite guys in the class, Miles Farmer and Noah Pola Gates, are probably safeties as well. So there's a ton of enticing talent. Um, it's just like like a lot of spots, you know, kind of hitting on the same theme. We just haven't seen a ton of snaps from them yet. And if the premise of this entire list was, you know, you're out there and you can spend points on ensuring your team's position is the best like any of these groups out there where you've got a hole to fill I would spend the most on safety just because I think it's such a vital role on the defense um, and then on down the list so I'm with you and I and I think you can look at probably you're looking at at least three spots as what I would consider basically starters whether they're listed that way or not yeah. and really you probably want four and, and Doman Doman's interesting. You know, if, if Nebraska were to kind of lock up outside linebacker with, with some of its existing options, I think you probably then go back and, and you're looking at a starting two in a, in a traditional formation of, of Williams and Doman. Um, but – We'll see. Like, I like Cam Jones a lot. Can't yeah. <laughs> can't mention that that enough. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But
0: yeah, he looks. I mean, from a physical standpoint, he looks ready to play right now. Like, if you, as long as the shoulder is fine and, and the injury stuff isn't, and he stays out, he looks. He looks like he can handle starting. And I think that just based on like looking through um, the guys that they have at at the defensive back spot, like I think there's the need for him to be able to do that. Um, If you want to keep JoJo at outside linebacker, I don't see, there's not, I don't think there's any issue if you move him back to safety. I mean, like let's say Garrett Nelson has a really, really good spring and all of a sudden he's in the mix at outside linebacker. Like if you, if you had JoJo and Deontay Williams as your two quote unquote starting safeties and then Cam Jones was in that flex spot that was going to play the Antonio Reed role, like that's, I'd, I'd feel pretty good about that situation, wouldn't you?
1: Yeah, I I, I would. Um, you know, it's there's there's just so much that, that goes into it. The thing that the thing that strikes me about Jones is not just kind of how he looks, but also how he talks and his mentality. Like when when I first started to see things from him come out, I was like. Oh, that guy's a safety that guy's like 100 percent of safety yeah he he wants to be a safety and he doesn't want to be anything else so so that's a, another big part of the reason i'm as high on him as i am but um, that's that's going to be a big one and it's, it's probably going to be the most fun one to watch because like you said you can kind of talk your in yourself into a lot of different combos here um and th- that's 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 easier than than it is a running back or even wide receiver where you're kind of like well we don't even know what the combos might be totally yet so it's uh it, it'll be a fun one in a couple of weeks ahead but
0: for sure so we what, were go ahead
1: I was just gonna ask you what's uh what's your number one unless you want to talk more safety
0: no we talked my number we were pretty pretty similar it, in terms of how um like what spots we wanted to focus on and like how important we felt they were except for one spot. And it was, it was the first one you talked about (laughs) center is my number one. And now I'm second guessing it. You've got me second guessing center at number one. I just think like they haven't recruited a true center in how long they don't have a true center freshman recruit. That's like, Oh, this guy's a can't miss prospect or something like that. And, and the best teams have a really good center that nobody talks about because they're really, really good. Like I'm thinking about going to um, the Remington Trophy ceremony two two seasons ago or last January or whenever that was, and seeing Billy Price there from Ohio State. Nebraska does not have that guy. They don't, and I think, like I think this, I don't, I don't know that the center spot has the ability to raise their ceiling, um, but I, I think it certainly has the ability to lower their floor this season if that spot doesn't get firmed up and is a, a major weak point not just on the line but in the offense in general throughout the season like if they have to scheme things on the offensive line to like try to hide a weaker yeah. center like that's an issue if they can't get the center quarterback exchange down that's an issue and that's something that I'm very curious about with Cam Jurgens because I I you know I'm not second guessing anybody's decision to move him from tight end to center but he needed I feel like he really needed those reps last fall that he didn't get because he was hurt like it was terrible to make that move and then for him to just immediately get hurt and and be on the shelf for all that time so I'm curious what his um what his development has looked like from an understanding of the position, an understanding of what everything, of what playing center entails and all of his responsibilities pre-snap. Um, I'm curious what, like, if he's got the technique things down, I'm curious, because I, I, I'm not worried about his body. I'm not worried about athleticism or his strength or his physicality. He looks like an absolute monster in the videos that they're putting out from the weight room. But all the other things that, that come into play when you're talking about playing center, Like, how far along is he? Because I feel like he is the guy that they're hoping to be the number one spot. And if he's not, like, you've got a walk-on in Hunter Miller and you've got a guy who's a redshirt freshman in Wolf Arniak, who is a little small.
1: Yeah, I mean, offensive line is certainly a trade in that you learn it. Um, Now, you know, being a a physical freak – uh, can can help you along the way. Um, maybe you don't have to get the four year degree; you just get the two year if you're, you know, huge or freakishly athletic. But that's that's kind of it. I mean, I think Juergens is is probably my favorite to win that job, but it's it's kind of for for lack of options. I don't know who is is he your pick to to win that? Do you expect him to be a starting center? Uh, I feel
0: th- I feel the same way you do. I feel like he he is the not not necessarily default, but I feel like he's the guy that you are hoping wins the job. And if he doesn't win the job, I think you're feeling a little queasy about the situation.
1: Yeah, I think theoretically he offers the highest upside. You know, based on what we know of him back when we thought he was playing one of three other totally different positions. Right, uh, the guy's just huge and an athlete. Um, you know, the fact that Hunter Miller kind of enters spring is maybe you know, the first snap they take this year, maybe it's him delivering that snap. Um Will Farniok was, was in the mix, but it seems like maybe they saw something they liked better of him elsewhere. Or, you know, the fact that Hunter Miller has kind of emerged and, and maybe passed him as, as the slight leader to this point kind of tells me, yeah, they've got a lot to figure out here. And I, and I think you said it almost exactly right. Like, You'll notice if, if Nebraska's bad at that spot. Um, if they're pretty good, like if, if the, the position battle shakes out and is a positive for them, uh, you may not notice it. But um, it, it's 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 a big piece of things. I mean, it, right. I, I I started with it probably higher in my top five, and then it kept getting knocked back about a little bit. So that's that's how it ended up at five for me. But having it at one, I think... Doesn't seem out of whack at all.
0: I will never question your judgment, Brandon.
1: <laughs> no, you weren't questioning it. You were questioning your own. And I was, I, trying was. To, I was trying to walk you back and be like, no.
0: And the thing that makes it so, um, I guess, paramount for me is like they have to replace left guard too. Like, does if Gerald Foster was, was here for another year, I don't think I would feel as um, not worried, but I, w- I, I wouldn't be as interested in, in the position as I. Currently am. Maybe they slide Bo Wilson to left because he played right guard last year, but then they've got right guard. like they they have another interior lineman that needs replacing from a guy who a a longtime starter for them. And so if Jurgens had Gerald Foster on his left and Tanner Farmer on his right, I wouldn't be worried at all. Throw him in there. let him let's let's see what happens. because i trust I trust their ability. You know, Frost was talking about him when they first made the move and said that he was a guy that was maybe one of the best blockers they had on their team. And he was a guy that they were looking at. And when they were recruiting him, they weren't even sure if he was a guy that they would play at tight end because they thought he had potential at defensive line. I trust their ability to see that more than like, I'm not going to sit back and play uh, armchair GM. So, but they do not have Gerald Foster and Tanner Farmer to his left and to his right. So I, I do wonder what that does to the position. and, and, I think Will Farniak is more guard than he is center, yeah. and Hunter Miller could be great, but he's more I think he's more of an unknown than Jurgens is.
1: Yeah so. yeah, it's uh, again, once you start to try to, to break it down and rank it in this way, you kind of realize that, man, there's there's a lot to answer here in the the, the month ahead, uh, really quickly. Was there any position that almost made your list?
0: Um, I think the number two tight end spot is interesting. I, yeah. I wonder if and Lagrone can win that over Austin Allen. Yeah. What about you?
1: I almost I almost lumped kick return and punt return into my top five. Oh, that'd one be a good. in and them top five. You know, Nebraska hasn't been very dynamic on punt return since Pearson from freshman year. Kick kick returns crazy because they've basically been almost legislated out of the game but fact is Nebraska's offense had to go 75 yards or more way too often and that's not solely the responsible of the responsibility of the return game but I look at the roster and see a lot of guys who could and perhaps should be pretty good back there so that one that was pretty interesting to me
0: well I don't know if you noticed this same thing but when Frost was talking about skill guys that they brought in both in the February that press conference that they had at, at the February signing at signing day in the press conference that he had back at the december signing day he mentioned with almost every guy they brought in they're like oh yeah he re- they returned punts for their high school like i feel like that was a thing that they wanted they wanted guys that had a history of returning punts and returning kicks because they brought in a bunch of guys that did that
1: yeah and, and punt returns really the big one you know that's the one where you can have sort of the biggest impact and and Nebraska's just kind of struggled, you know. They've they've tried some of their best players back there over over the course of the years and you know, DeMorne Pearsonell kinda of held it down pretty well, um, though never to the degree he did as a freshman. And if they can get a little more dynamic there, that's one of those kind of hidden edges that uh, that really helps the the offense kind of increase its point total.
0: I don't know if you felt this way when you were going through like the positions and looking at kind of guys that they have, but when I was doing Looking at freshmen and then looking at sophomores for the top five thing that we're doing on hillvarsity.com, dot com, I was like like seeing the the options or seeing the young talent they have a they have a lot of really intriguing young talent.
1: They really do, and, you know. I think if you go back and and remember the UCF days, which not like they're a long time ago. But that was one of the things that struck me about that 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 team is, you know, they'd go on these super quick drives, maybe five, six plays and be like, "Oh, there's like four different people touch the ball. Two of them are running backs. Um one of them's kind of a hybrid player and then they got the tight end involved and you're just like, "Man, how many guys do they have that can like legitimately hurt you?" Cuz they just seem to roll them off of an assembly line. And I think that's what obviously they're trying to to build here. And you see a lot of names that that are really enticing. Um but again, sort of the theme of the day, you just you you can't say definitively. Yep, he can do it um, because we haven't seen it yet with a lot of them.
0: Brandon, you probably have work to do. We've taken up an hour of your time. Thanks for joining the podcast. Is this two in February?
1: This is. We we made it in. So boom, achievement unlocked.
0: We did it. Thanks for joining, man. Thanks, Derek. All right, we will be back next week with another podcast. We'll have plenty of coverage. Uh, baseball got postponed thursday but by the time you're listening to this podcast there will be baseball on friday and throughout the weekend and kyle cardell is covering that and then we will obviously like i said in the beginning continue to have basketball coverage and spring football starts on march 4th so lots of stuff upcoming keep it with hell varsity thanks guys